Welcome to Sunday Night Stat Guide, where you will not just get the stats you want, but the stats that you need. Here's your host, Josh, the Stat Guy Horowitz. Coming up on Sunday Night Stat Guy, we have two recurring guests making appearances on the podcast. First, Zach Zacola is back to rehash the bracket that we made for the Sunday Night Stack Guy bracket challenge. So we'll go through that, talk about what went right, what went wrong, and then Noah Cohen is back to preview the Masters. The Masters is back. It is Jim Nance season, and uh, we'll we'll really get into golf and uh, just what's going on this weekend with the Masters. So another, another big sport to cover on the podcast. Um, I really love covering as many sports as we can. I love all the sports, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening to uh, to most of them. So, um, like I said, Zach at the beginning, and then you'll hear Noah and me preview the Masters in the later half of the episode. Uh, so without further ado, here we go. friends it is masters week and we'll have a masters preview later on but uh we wanted to recap the bracket and the march madness tournament that just ended so we are we have brought back zach zacola and if you don't remember zach helped uh zach and i worked together to put together the official sunday night stack guy bracket for the bracket challenge and so we're, we're going to talk about it but uh zach it was it was a heck of a tournament it was a really fun tournament I, i'm glad that we had basketball back the only thing that i wish we could have seen is two one shining moments because we didn't get a one shining moment last year so i feel like we're owed an additional shining moment that's true yeah yeah we needed two shining moments right <laughs> yes absolutely well not on the one shining moment is our bracket and we will get to that but i really quickly wanted to uh just mention the results of our bracket challenge because it actually ended up being a really intense finish um how, how did you do by the way how did you end up in in your personal bracket the the bracket that i had submitted uh i think was top 10 i was towards the top i it ultimately was pretty average there weren't too many differences between our brackets so um illinois was my national champion so uh my ship had sailed at about the same time your the the staff the official stats guy bracket uh was over as well the difference that i had was didn't have texas going as far and had baylor making it to the final four yeah and yeah we'll we'll, like i said we'll get to to our bracket but i'm just seeing it now you came in eight did you did you realize that so you if if illinois had won you would have won like you were the first person with illinois Oh, I did not realize yeah. that. And you, cause I mean, you had Gonzaga and Baylor both in the final four. Um, but anyway, anyway, so our champion was RG3's knees was the bracket name. And that was by Z Condi. And we actually, I have located Z Condi. I was able to contact him on Twitter. Um, he actually won a different bracket challenge of someone that I know. And so they found him and we were, we were able to get in contact. So, uh, Remember, the winner of the Bracket Challenge will get the opportunity to discuss a sports topic of their choice as a guest on the podcast. So uh, as soon as Zach and I talk more, hopefully we can get that figured out and we will have that episode at some point. But uh, he had Baylor as his champion, obviously. He won with 1,450 points. Uh, Kyle was the other one in contention. He was the top person with Gonzaga. And Obviously, they lost. I know he had a lot riding on on that game. Uh, so sorry, Kyle. But congrats again to Zach for the win. Um, and if you're curious about the stat, real stack guy bracket, we were like middle of the pack, 21st out of 44 people. So just just in the top 50, or 50%. Very extraordinarily average. And that's what we're going for here. Yes. But I, I will say that 
our first round was actually really good because we were talking like at the end of the first round and we were really excited well I should say before the very end of the first round when Texas lost but we had um I'm trying to think the exact amount hold on we had we had 24 games right in the first round out of 32 which I which I think is really good yeah I think save Ohio State and Texas uh, losing in the first round, our first round was pretty strong. We, we had the uh, – our two biggest upsets that we got right were Ohio over Virginia and Oregon State over Tennessee. Um, obviously, our two biggest, like, misses in the first round would have been Ohio State and Texas. Um, we'll get to those. So, But like I was saying, our, our first round, I think, pretty solid. Um, if w- When we do this again in the future, we probably need to figure out a new formula when we get to the like final eight, final 16, because that's definitely where we went wrong. Um, but let's start with the teams we were right about. And I know I briefly mentioned one. Ohio is the first one. And throughout the whole podcast, because even, even on um, the Monday show with, Zach, or with, um, with Noah and Adam, they were all for Ohio. So that was, that was one we were definitely right about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was nice that we could, you know, get that win. I think to your point, Josh, we got a couple of the hard games right as well in Ohio and in Oregon State. Um, it, looking at that, you know, well coached. They, they played strongly. Um, they, they definitely weren't scared of the moment. So that was really great to see as well. Uh, Going to call out one quick stat that I think um, I believe we, we mentioned, and that's uh, – field uh field goal percentage specifically for two pointers 57 percent is pretty strong so and their top three players are 62 percent this is ohio so, that's ohio yep. okay yeah and yeah so they th- like I said, those are our, our two biggest upsets and um ohio obviously they, they even came somewhat close with creighton and then oregon state obviously made it to the elite eight so we weren't right about them making it that far but we we were felt pretty strongly about their first time game against tennessee so it was good to get that one and then the uh, other team I want to mention that I felt we were really right about was Rutgers, which I know they didn't make the Sweet 16 like we predicted, but they were this close. They, I, I'm going to, I'm actually, Zach, I'm going to remember this sequence forever. They were up by eight with like 430 to go. They had a wide open dunk, missed it, and Houston went back five seconds later and hit a three immediately to cut it to five a five point swing with four and a half minutes left instead of a 10 point game. It was a five point game. And to me, that's what, that's what lost the game. So I feel like we were right about Rutgers. They just didn't close it out. Absolutely. In true big 10 fashion, they blew a significant lead and ended up losing the game because of it. Um, as a big 10 fan, I've seen that many times. I should, we, I should be used to it by now. Yeah. B- big 10 was, uh, was definitely not great. Um, are there, are there any other teams that you wanted to mention that we were kind of right about? I mean, th- those are the main ones in, in my mind. No, I, Rutgers is definitely the team that was, you know, sticking out as like a, we thought that they could beat Houston and they were really close to beating Houston. So that would be the one that would be worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then th- that is now where the bracket for us kind of went wrong. Um, so here are the teams that we were wrong about. And if you remember, our final four was Gonzaga, Ohio State, Illinois, and Texas. And two of those teams we lost in the first round. And then the third team we lost on the first day of the second round. So it, actually, it was we just talked about it um, before we started. But Texas was the last game of the first round. And then we went to sleep. And then Illinois was the first game of the second round. So in a 12-hour span, we basically, our bracket crumbled, which was very sad. <laughs> yeah, at least we got to, like, sleep on it a little bit. Because <laughs> to go from Ohio State, Texas to Illinois, if that all happened in, like, a two-hour time frame, I, I don't know if I would have been able to watch any more basketball yeah. after that. Just threw in the towel and, I don't know. Yeah, we were, at least, we were at least able to enjoy, like, the majority of the first round, especially the first day. And then it was like, all right, go to sleep. We still have our champion. And then, of course, you wake up on the second day, and it's like, all right, champions, champions already gone. But um, what, what, which? So what we're gonna do is, 
we're, we're talking about why we were wrong. Um, which which game did we did you want to start with? Um, we can just go in order of the, I guess the first round games that the, these teams played. So you want to start with uh, BYU UCLA. Um, oh yes, yes, and actually that because that was the I didn't mention it earlier, but that was the, another team that we were technically wrong about since they made it to the final four. And I feel like a lot of people felt the same way. Um, but yeah, let, let's start there because we, when we talked on Thursday or we would have talked on Wednesday before the Michigan state UCLA game, we were really strong on Michigan state. So now we need to talk about why we were wrong about UCLA just in general, and especially against BYU, because then after UCLA beat Michigan state, we were talking and said, hey, what do we want to do? And we ended up going with BYU. But let's start, yeah, start with that and kind of talk about why we went with BYU. And then we can figure out when, where we went wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing that stands out about BYU, and I have them pulled up with the same tool we were looking at, um, but turnovers are pretty similar. Um, rebounds are favoring BYU. Free throw percentage favoring BYU and three-point percentage are, are, are favoring BYU. And when we're looking at the top three players, which is something we, we definitely referenced several times, BYU is beating those uh, statistics as well. I, I think, and we, I remember we texted about this, we weren't sure about Johnny Juzang's ankle initially because he did injure it right uh, towards the end of the Michigan State game. And that was a recurring theme throughout the remainder of the UCLA tournament run. Um, where he would play like 90% of the game and then tweak it. And then we would have a moment of, oh no, is he going to be out? How are they going to pull this off? And then Tiger Campbell, Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins would uh, put the team on their back and score a bunch of points and win the game. Um, but for BYU-UCLA, uh, UCLA had four turnovers. That's uh, you know next to nothing. And their three-point percentage was way better than BYU's like 42% to 17%, 18% for BYU. Uh, so three point percentage in turnovers along with a narrow rebound margin really pushed UCLA uh, over the edge against BYU. Yeah, they, um, and, and with, with Juzang, like it looks silly now that we were kind of thinking that way since he literally dominated the rest of the tournament. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he was on the um, all tournament team I, 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 I i'll have to go back and look at that but um he was he was one of the players of the tournament and so we were right in saying like if he was not there it would have impacted ucla's chances but obviously he was there um i and i briefly mentioned this with benny um when we were previewing the national championship but there were jokes coming around about uc the ucla's best thing was their free throw defense and, and sure enough, against BYU, uh, they, BYU is 9 of 16 from the free throw line. So 56%. So it even happened there. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like they just had such great luck with that. I mean, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that they, they were making everything throughout the tournament. It, it just it felt like for, there were a couple teams in this tournament, Zach, that it just looked like the rim was bigger. And UCLA was one of them. Like whenever Juzang or Hawkins was were putting up a shot, it looked like it was going in. Absolutely. And time and time again with UCLA, if it wasn't uh, Juzang, Tiger Campbell, or Jaime Hawkins taking a, a tough shot, but they're high quality players and they're going to be able to make that, it was you know Cody Riley taking a, a easier shot. And he's still a great player. So he's going to make those shots time and time again. I mean, the, the top players for UCLA, they came to play and they uh, dominated their opponents time and time again. And I think that, and so I think for UCLA, like, like we said, it was, I, I'm sure a lot of people were wrong about that. Um, so I don't blame us for not having them in the final four, but we, if, if, you know, if we watch them maybe more and we kind of understand what was really going on with that team, probably a reason to say, Hey, let's at least have them win that first game. Um, and then, which they would have ended up running into Texas or Abilene Christian. Um, and we might as well just, just go there now. Um, Cause that was another team that we were wrong about. Does that fit in your order, by the way? Yes, it does. That's a good, that's a good connection. So great segue. Uh, Texas and Abilene Christian. We had Texas in the final four. And to be honest, 
as we were putting Texas in the final four, I kept thinking about how uh, Ethan, Noah, and Dylan, uh, how they always like Texas and how they never live up to the standard. And here we go again. And we should have seen it because I, I even had mentioned how Shaka Smart, um, you know, he, he's been there with VCU. So after them losing, I looked and saw that he has never made it out of the first round with Texas which shouldn't have been a reason to have them lose in the first round, but it should have been a reason to say that they're not going to make the final four. Uh, so what, what were we wrong about with Texas? You know, I'm not hundred percent sure we even spent a bunch of time on this game. I think the, the first mistake that we probably had was just saying we like Texas. Let's put them in there. I was just going to say for the, for the sake of, the bracket, you know, we, we went with the, the premise of a three, yeah. one through three seeds are not going to lose in the first round because if you pick the wrong ones, that's just the, the winning the bracket mentality. But having them yeah, in the final four was the thing that I think we were the most wrong about. Um, but when you, I guess, so you want to look specifically at this game, like what was the thing that, that then took it kind of apart? <laughs> the, I mean, Texas turned the ball over like they – I don't know, we're a delivery driver. They they <laughs> gave them they gave Abilene Christian the ball on the silver platter. Um, and Abilene Christian also out rebounded them. I mean, this is a crazy thing. Team field goal percentage, Texas shot 45%. Abilene Christian shot 29.9%. Comparatively, that's pretty bad. But uh, Abilene Christian had 27 more shots than them, which is interesting to think about they also didn't make a lot of threes either mm-hmm. so this was a perfect storm i think for Abilene yeah. christian nine times out of ten i think texas yeah. wins this game but it, it, it kind of is the same i think we thought texas would be this the kind of team that ucla was going to be where yeah. they were dominating by their top three players their top three players were really are really talented and great players and we thought that they were going to push them through uh, a lot of games that were going to be tight and the first game that was pretty tight, they ended up dropping to Abilene Christian. So, mm-hmm. and look, there, there, to me, there's a reason that UCLA made the Final Four. They, they as we talked about, like they they got really hot really quickly. But look at the other teams. Michigan had their best player hurt. Florida State is a team that doesn't get past the Sweet 16 very often. Uh, Texas, as we just talked about, with a coach that can't get out of the first round. And Alabama, a team that's never been this far before in years. So it, it makes sense. And I think we even talked about it on, um, on on the podcast that this was probably the most fun or wide open like part, region of the bracket for those for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also also meant sorry also mentioning that uh, Adam was right in his analysis with the turnovers because he was the one that had brought up the stat about Abilene Christian. Uh, forcing a turnover on like 26% of possessions. And like you just said, Texas having 23 turnovers. So it was just kind of the perfect storm. Absolutely. One other thing worth note is when I'm looking at the stats that we had called out, um, Abilene Christian is leading not only the entire team, but also the top three players as well, just in terms of most stat categories winning versus Texas Mm -hmm. comparatively. Mm -hmm. So, all right. One thing I think I'm going to add, well, We'll talk about – Well, I'm going to jot it down, but we'll talk about it later, is maybe just looking at the stats for at least five seconds on the on the one, twos, and three seeds. It, it, we can't let it make our decision, but we can see if anything stands out or help guides us. Make, make sure it passes the smell test before yes. we lock down. Yeah. So the, the other two teams that we feel like we're very wrong about, they're both Big Ten teams. Um, which one do you have to do next? Ohio State or Illinois? Um, I was thinking Ohio State. Okay, Roberts. let's start with that one since it was in the I first was thinking round. Ohio State. So, <laughs> Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts, and we had them in the Final Four. And I, I, take, I take the blame for that one because I was not feeling as, hot, as high on Baylor this whole time. And I thought um, Ohio State will have the easier path compared to Baylor, stuff like that. Well, they didn't even make it out of the first round. And I think the one big thing that we maybe missed, you know, like I said, we weren't necessarily going to pick an upset, but Oral Roberts did have the leading score in Division One. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, they absolutely did. And this was another really fun game to watch. I mean, the tournament was just fantastic all around. But similarly to Texas, Ohio State was handing the ball over on a, on a silver platter. I think the difference is uh, Oral Roberts has some, some guys that are scoring. And while um, field goal percentage certainly wasn't um, – it was in Ohio State's favor, but it wasn't the same disparity as – Abilene Christian in, in Texas at 35.7% to 43% during that game. So Oral Roberts is a better offensive team all around. They were able to take more advantage offensively of the turnovers uh, and you yeah, have the turnovers rather than um, forcing a, a just an absolute absurd amount of turnovers. So defense won the game, but Oral Roberts definitely capitalized on it. Yeah, and, and we had talked about this, you know, right after the game happened that, it, you know, the game went into overtime, but it felt like as soon as the game went into overtime, Ohio State felt like they didn't even want to be there. And that's that's kind of a really sad thing, especially as, you know, as a two seed and uh, being a popular pick. But we were, we were just wrong. I mean, we had them in the Final Four, and I, I think this might even be a, a case of being more wrong about Baylor than being wrong about Ohio State, but obviously we were wrong about Ohio State too, so. And I, I don't want to like knock Dwayne Washington for trying to take the ball in his hands and, and dominate the, the game and take over. Cause he did hit the shot to go into um, overtime, if I'm not mistaken, he certainly played very well. Um, but it felt like he was forced to get in overtime. It felt like he was playing into Oral Roberts hands and he took a couple shots that he probably, he had a teammate open that he could have dished the ball to. And um, maybe it would have been a better percent percentage opportunity but also it could have resulted in the same thing so it's one of those things where you look at it in hindsight and you're like what could have been mm -hmm. all right and then our our champion that we had illinois uh what were we wrong about um you know loyola chicago is another well-coached team they knew exactly what um where they had their strengths and something that we talked about that we definitely thought was going to just lead Illinois was Kofi Coburn. Uh, we were thinking he was going to be dominant on the glass. We were thinking he was going to own the paint on both ends of the court. And we were also thinking that the guards for Illinois were going to, to step up as well. And um, Coburn certainly played phenomenally. Um, he was definitely right there, but it seemed like time and time again, Kurtwig was making him look silly. And then Kurtwig would force a, a crazy turnover from Ayo Desumu that it, it looked more like it was him playing lackadaisically than um, anything that was, I guess, substantial from, from Kurtwig. It was like he would lean over as far, lean as far forward as he possibly could and poke the ball out just yeah. ever so slightly. And I think, cause you're right. Like, uh, Coburn did have like statistically a really good game and was pretty much like him him and Krowig like essentially like washed each other out and mm -hmm. it's the the guard play that kind of was the downfall for Illinois I mean mm -hmm. Dosumu who was you know either their first or second best player only had nine points in a game that Illinois only scored 58 um, and so it's almost like we it's not that we were wrong about it it's like they just didn't play up to their normal standard yeah absolutely and, you know, looking to your point, Josh, Kofi Coburn had, did have a great game. Um, he, he and Kurtwig, I, yeah, they did wash each other out. 12 rebounds for Kurtwig and then nine for Coburn. But then we'll, if we scroll down their backup center, Bishanis Vili, I'm assuming I'm saying his name right there, didn't have any rebounds. And he's known as like a hustle guy, as a, as a glue guy that has great footwork down low. Two points, no boards. It, it's hard to win when, when your backup center is – um, not playing as well as you need them to play. So tough, tough loss for Illinois. I wish we didn't have them winning at all, but yeah, that's not here or there. Right. And so uh, that's what, that's, you know, that's what we're thinking. Like we, at the time it, it felt like there's a pick, you know, they, they just won the big 10 tournament, which is something you kind of look for. They had two pretty dominant players um, and one of them didn't play well. Um, and there were, probably two I mean hindsight 2020 but there were at least the two teams that now looking it's like they're so much better Gonzaga and Baylor um, and those were the two teams in the national championship so those were 
those were the things we got right, things we got wrong. Um, it's, it's just interesting to look back and, and kind of see. And this brings me to something that I started right after the tournament. And it's called a bracket manifesto. And it's just rules that you kind of got to make and got to look at when you're filling out your bracket. So this is going to be an ongoing list, but I want to, I want to talk to you about it and just see if you want to add anything to what I already have. Mm-hmm. So uh, here, here are the three main things. And I'll say, I'll say the first one I told you last, cause I think that's the most important. So first one, we had said a stat about uh, like the last number one overall seed to win uh, Louisville in 2013. It doesn't happen that often, but I need to start getting out of my mind that that's a thing because it, it takes you away from who the better teams are. Like Gonzaga, having Gonzaga win the whole thing this year, obviously it was not a bad pick since they made it to the championship game. Um, and who knows if they play any other team, it probably works out in their favor. They just played Baylor. But for me, it felt like I didn't, I, I just wasn't going to have them winning. So that's the first thing. Take, take that kind of stat out of my mind. The second one, this is probably the most important for our bracket. I had mentioned how I didn't want Baylor in the final four because I thought they had a harder path having to face a tough eight, nine game or Villanova really tested team. Um, and that's why I went to Ohio state, but the hard path shouldn't, this, this is the rule. The hard path shouldn't matter if the team is really, really good, just like Baylor was. Um, they, they were just that good that it, it shouldn't have mattered. So that's, that's the second rule. And then the third one while looking for like at least the first round stuff is looking at matchups a little better. And then um, if teams are seated higher low, which I know Benny and I have talked about that, um, but it's still Loyola Chicago, I think is the best example, but they like, they, they, like we have talked about this entire time, they still just played a really, really good game um, against Illinois. But the most important thing as of right now that's on the list is to, in all caps, watch the regular season more. Because that's something I needed to do more of, and I think I would have found out for myself just how good Baylor was. Um, So like I said, this is going to be an ongoing list just to help us with our bracket. But is there anything you want to add to that for now? Um, If there's a way we can figure out how to say, if your team is a guard-dominant team, that may be something something good to look into as well. we really liked Illinois because of how great their center is. We really liked Iowa because of, you know, how great Luca Garza is. It was a guard dominant tournament tournament and Baylor's um, he played interchange between the four and the five. Uh, Vital is six, five. So he's, he's certainly a big guy and can uh, he can play with some of the bigger players in the NCAA, but he, he was a very vital part of, of, of the team. I'm glad I was able to set you up for that great Josh. <laughs> but it's, it's such a good point, Zach, because Benny even talked about it for the national championship preview that Baylor's guards would probably be the difference. You know, Gonzaga had uh, Suggs as their, as their main guard, but Baylor basically had three guys that could take over the game at any, diff- at any given point. And um, so that's, that's a really, really great point is guard dominant teams. And like we said, mm-hmm. the Sunmo on Illinois, wasn't as dominant in the games he needed to be um so that that's on the list so a, a, any any other bracket manifestos that you want to that you want to add for now i'll probably keep adding until next year and then as we're watching but i i think this year it may be a good idea to add a few um i think moving forward we should only add one to the list one whatever the big takeaway is from the tournament that's the one addition every year okay but all right I'll, I'll leave that up to you to determine exactly how many we need well, to add and, and, that, and that's fair because essentially like you can't really add anything until like a tournament happens um that's good that's good i like that so we'll yeah we'll i'll, I'll leave it at whatever we have because i think those are the main things that happen in this tournament and then um when we get to do this again next year we'll uh we'll ha- have to refer back to it and hopefully we'll have a better bracket next year as well. Yes. At least we'll be able to pick a better bracket. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you. Oh, Zach, I'm telling you, our first round formula, whatever we're doing for that, is pretty good. We just need to figure out something for the uh, Elite Eight and beyond. For the rest of it, yeah. Yeah. But, all right, that was um, – it was it was really fun filling it out, you know, just looking at all the stats. And um, I'm, I'm glad we got to kind of recap it and rehash it. So, um, any, any anything else you want to say about the bracket or the tournament? No, it's been fun. 
it was a great tournament and I'm glad basketball, uh, NCAA basketball came back for a little bit. Yes. It was great to have the tournament, um, for the first time in two years. I can't believe it's already over. Like, I feel like it was just yesterday we had, we were filling it out, you know? Yeah. I feel like it always goes by so yeah. quickly though. It's like, yeah. all right, I'm going to scramble to get my bracket done in two days. And then in a blink of an eye, it's, it's over. Yeah. Like it's already time for me to put my highlighter away. I think I use the highlighter for two weeks every year. And it's just this week, these two weeks. <laughs> you have a special spot in your drawer that you leave your highlighter so it doesn't move? Yes, I have a special March Madness highlighter that I think I've used the last, like, seven years. <laughs> I think I was going to say, I think I remember that from high school. <laughs> remember you filling out brackets in the library. Oh, yeah, well, and, and, and remember at that time, the, um, the pool that I did, it was, I, I loved collecting the brackets and doing them on my own. So, of course, I had to do highlighter and pen. Um, <laughs> Always got to do that. But all right, Zach, we'll, we'll get you out of here. Thanks so much for coming on and doing this with me. I appreciate you. Thanks again for hosting the bracket. It's been fun. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. The Masters, a tradition unlike any other, and it is back and also back, is Noah Cohen. And he's, he's the golf. He's going to be the golf guy for us on the night stack guy. So Noah's here to talk about the Masters for us. How are you, Noah? Good, Josh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Happy we're back at Augusta. It's been a while. It's been, I guess, not really thinking about last year. Um, it's been, it's, a, it's while. been a while since it's they've... springtime. Yes. So there's going to be fans there. It's going to be great. It's going to be like nothing ever happened. So I'm ready. I'm excited for tomorrow. It's my favorite back-to-back Thursdays. You know, you got March Madness. All right. All right. No, that, that's back, back Thursday. No, you know back, but back, yeah, that back to back like sports things. It's it's March Madness, and then as soon as it it ends, then the Masters. Is going. It's it's a yeah, it is it is Jim Jim Nance time. Um, so it's 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 the perfect uh, kind of transition to the next sport. Um, and so like you said, it is the Masters, and just a heads up because most people when they listen to this, uh, some people will have already teed off, but you'll still get your full Masters preview with you know who we think. Uh, can be some contenders and who we think is going to be there at the end, but just in general for the masters um, it's like we said, it's uh, in Augusta, Georgia at Augusta national golf course where it's always been played. That's the kind of thing I like about this tournament is that it's at the same place every year. Um, I, I always thought it was funny when you look at like the, the logo, like the Augusta national logo, they have like the, the flag that goes to Georgia and you know that like at a certain point you kind of figure that out and you're like oh yeah it's because it's at the same place every year duh um so that's kind of a funny thing um but it's it's a beautiful course yeah you know kids when they're in their basketball shooting hoops it's like three two one they make the game winning shot when you're putting in with your buddies or whatever you're picturing making the final putt at augusta because it's that like everybody grows up to play at that course like that's like the golf player equivalent yeah exactly that's where everybody wants to be it's people's like wish list to play there and they still can't even get on it's it's the greatest course ever and it'll never not be played there yeah an amazing course uh for this tournament um lots of cool features we'll get that some we'll get into later but they got the the azaleas it's just it's, it's like you said earlier it's perfect to have it in the spring again because uh we obviously didn't get to have it uh in 2020 in the spring but it was uh taken it did take place in november and dustin johnson was the winner of the 2020 masters and so it'll be great to have it in the spring again um so just a few stats just to get us going uh only three players have won back-to-back masters and those three players are jack nicholas tiger woods and nick faldo the best score at a masters was just this past one with dustin johnson going minus 20 or 20 under however you want to say it um and then no do you know do you know the worst score ever to win the masters see i just want to see how close you can get what would you think it would be my guess would be world war ii i'd say it was some scrub and or like not like a really known professional and he was probably like one under or maybe like three over something well the okay the funniest part about that is they actually didn't have the masters in 1943 44 or 45 which is the time that you're referring to yeah um but the so the worst score at the masters is plus one for a winner 
the worst score for a winner is plus one, and it's been done by three people. Sam Sneed in 1954, Jack Burke Jr. in 1956, and the most recent was Zach Johnson in 2007. For some reason, I feel like I remember that. I just remember like when, when he won that it just wasn't as high scoring of a tournament, or as low scoring of, of a tournament. I remember him when I don't remember it. That was 10 years, 15 years ago. So that, I mean, well, yeah, I guess at this point it was, it was that long ago. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we're dealing with, the, with the masters. But, uh, just want to ask you, what are, um, what are some of like our favorites? Like who are we looking at as favorites in this tournament and maybe give us a couple, I know this isn't officially gambling corner, but give us maybe a couple lines that you have. Um, right off the bat, um, I'll never forget this. I was talking with my dad and, you know, he's who got me into golf. He loves golf. And he was like, Bubba Watson will never win another masters again. And then he won like his second one that year. And ever since then, I just, you cannot count him out. Like, so he is always on my radar because he, when he's on, he's on and he can run up and down that course, run up and down the course. He knows it really well at this point. Oh yeah, exactly. So He's uh, plus 9,500. So I would put money on that just to start. Like, I just think he'll come back and he'll win. Like, he knows the course. Uh, if he's in the zone, I think I have faith in him. And then um, it's just a young guy that I am a big fan of is uh, Morikawa. And I would, his irons are so good that, like, if when he's on, he can run away like I he's under 24 or he's right around 24 he's, yeah he's really young he's played in 50 events um and he already has a major like if he wins this he'll be right where Jordan Spieth was when he was on his little run around when he was way young and everybody thought he was going to be the next goat and the reason why Morikawa doesn't have all the shine that people would have expected is because Bryson DeChambeau has taken so much of the publicity and a lot of this happened during COVID. So it's like not people can't be there to watch it happen where people can fall in love with him and the moments that occurred. And I was even going to say that just watching the main tournaments that have happened in the past year, Morikawa has been somebody that's really caught my eye. Um, He just, he was involved in, um, was, was there a playoff that he was involved in recently? In one of the recent tournaments, Do you remember? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but I can't. I, I can't. I'm trying to think what tournament it is. But anyway, he just he's he had played really well over the last year. Um, so he's definitely like you said a name, and um, he is 24. So you were right about that. Um, and I did want to mention with with Bubba Watson because it's not like it's uncommon for people to win three times. There's been four or five. There's it's been eight been people who have won three times. Like three times in general. Yeah, yeah. No, people in a row, it's yeah. very, very difficult. So. Right. As, as we said, there's only been three people ever to win back-to-back. Um, and there, there actually has – I was looking at, like, all the champions. There's been a lot of people that have won, like, twice in three years, uh, but just very rare to win back-to-back. Um, and then, like – and then you mentioned Shambo. I think he's one of the more polarizing names in golf right now, so he's obviously going to be up there. And uh, I'm really excited to watch him because, you know, last time he was the news. Everybody was talking about him. He would tear it up. And then he uh, had COVID or he was feeling under the weather and he didn't play well. But now he's playing fine. I actually just read today that the Cobra uh, PJ Tour rep said he's using a 5.5 degree driver with uh, and they're going to lower it down to four and a half degrees, which is extremely low. And then um, they reinforced it and gave it like more of a steel toe to limit bad, um, like to limit his errors and then to make sure his club doesn't break like it did in the, right. um, what, what major was that? The, the uh, PGA championship. Um, yeah. Is, and is there so, a rule on, on like the degree of clubs, like especially for a driver or is it there a rule be longer that? than 46 inches? Um, 46 or 43 let me let me confirm that like the the Um, club length you're talking about yeah okay but the degree there's no there's no rule on yeah no the degree i mean if you can hit it 
Um, oh, a driver's shaft can be 48 inches. Okay, interesting. So, um, but the degree, I mean, if you want to hit a one degree driver, good fucking luck. Wow. And excuse that's, my language. That, that's really interesting. Well, that, that'll be something to watch out for. And for those, um, for those listeners that, that don't know, Bryson DeChambeau, he's become like the, one of the long, probably the longest hitter in the game right now. Um, basically, he's a guy that you would turn on the, the, the TV to watch play golf. In my, in, am I right in saying you, that? Yeah, if someone texts you and said, hey, Steph Curry's heating up, you go and you turn the TV on. If someone texts you on a Sunday, like one in it's Bryson DeChambeau is on fire, you go and you watch it because even though he's kind of – he's like a human calculator because he gets – and that people don't like him because he's so into the numbers and the science. Of he's, he's polarizing. He's a polarizing yeah. golfer. He's kind of what golf needs. People view him as like a villain in the sport, but I think he's very interesting, kind of quirky, but, you know, he's a good for the sport, something yeah. different. And, and that's why golf needed. Yeah, so, and that's why I think it's really it's really important that we at least mention him because if he if he's not in contention, he'll at least be out there doing pretty amazing things. Yes, if he doesn't make the cut, the Saturday morning um, headline will be Bryson DeChambeau doesn't make the cut. Right. It won't, and, and it'll probably also be about who's in the lead, but he will have a share of the major headlines, which is cool that mm-hmm. he's there. Did you see he was caught? playing disc golf who DeShamba? yeah it was yesterday <laughs> he was out um and it was a second time playing disc golf and he played with these random people and they had to help him which was very interesting that's really funny and there, there's not really a uh, a secret to long drive in disc golf <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really funny um so that like p- past those those few names the who, who are other contenders? And I know there's a lot of names here, but um, let's let's start going through those those top guys who yeah, are we'll if start with you know probably the main favorite that you'll see on every news outlet. Jordan Spieth won last week. He's on fire. Um, he's posted six top fifteen finishes in the past seven starts, um, and he has done well at Augusta. Um, in his last five trips, his worst finish is tied for 11th. And he has two runners up and a 2015 victory. So Jordan Spieth, he, who knows, maybe he cracked the code. He's back. He just needed that one win to open everything up and the floodgates could open and he could be right back to where he needs to be. Um, it was perfect time for him winning that tournament, going into the Masters. Um, but the only other thing it does, it does put him in the spotlight. Yeah, which I, I think these guys can handle it. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, he's done mm-hmm. it before. Um, I always thought Spieth was trying to chase distance, which hurt him in the long run um, because all these guys were coming out and hitting further drives. But um, maybe he's figured it out and he's back. Um, I, I asked my dad every day during master's week who he wants to win because it switches every day (laughs) um and today he gave me his final pick and he picked rory he really liked um the fact that he's you know a veteran he knows what he's doing and he thinks he's just due to win and uh his world ranking is 12 which isn't bad for but for him i guess it's bad um and he hasn't won since 2019 and he hasn't won a tournament yeah in 2019 since 2019 and he just visited tiger woods did you see that I saw, I, yes i did you want to go ahead and share what, what you, it was you about? got it it's your show i'm not so, gonna see it for me. no no, no. If, if you have it right there if you have it right there go ahead and say it uh i just i don't have the exact thing but uh tiger or they were together and rory was like where are the rest of your trophies and tiger was like i don't know my mom has some there's some in my office and then the rest are just somewhere and i think that's kind of funny and maybe um, Tiger gave some of his secret stuff to Rory for this week since he can't be there. And if Rory wins, it'll be great. It'll be the fifth uh, to complete the Grand Slam. Exactly. That, that was going mention that the Masters is the only major that Rory has not won. Yep. Um, so definitely chip on his shoulder. Chip on his shoulder for Rory. Um, there, there's, just, there's so many great names. Like if, you, if you watch golf, I lo- like, there's so many good names to watch at the top of the tournament. Um, how about 
how about the past master champion dustin johnson what are what are so, what's his stuff looking like because like and like we said there's only been three back-to-back champions yep so um kyle porter from cbs i got this or i saw this from him earlier um and dustin johnson's last five masters he has lost to 18 of 447 competitors so he's beaten or tied with 96 percent of the field across five masters so he's been pretty dominant and maybe the long hitters when they're locked in can really move up and down that course like and that's why bryson has a good chance that's why Dustin Johnson, when he's extremely accurate with his driver, like he's dominant. It's, it's really incredible to see uh, all these guys when they're locked in, they're just on a completely another level, but I could see Dustin Johnson not winning. Um, you know, he's back uh, from taking some time off and uh, it, it, he could be rusty. That's actually one of um, uh, my bets that I have for this weekend is for Bryson DeChambeau to beat Dustin Johnson straight up one-on-one. Um, doesn't matter the, who places where just DeChambeau beating Johnson. Just, in the, just in the first round. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Bryson has a big chip on his shoulder. And since he is a little mentally locked in compared to some others, he'll come ready to play tomorrow morning. Um, and Dustin Johnson, he, he's like Brooks Kepsky. Brooks Kepka, they'll go in with the I don't care attitude and they'll still destroy. And it's crazy. And I wish I could do that. That's <laughs> another thing I love about uh, a lot of the top guys that are go- going into this weekend is, you know, we already mentioned Johnson and Jordan Spieth, Bubba Watson. Um, those guys all have one or two. And w- another guy that's already won a Masters that you you wanted to mention Sergio Garcia what what are we feeling with him going into this week he's he's playing well um you know because I remember a time when it was it was a uh a thing that he would never win a master's or major he'd choke in the majors all the time yeah like it was his job so and that all was essentially based off his putter so if his his irons and driving is fine um, his putter needs to be above average and he needs to kind of play the course to his strategy um, and what he's good at to be able to, if he can stay in contention, that's the thing with all these guys. And that's, what's so great about Augusta is going into Sunday. You never know what could happen going into Amen corner on Sunday, ask Jordan speed. You never know what could happen. So it's, it's just very interesting to see, um, just the, the anticipation is crazy and I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone who I think has a very good chance at this um, is Justin Thomas. Um, it, I found this from Twitter from some, I, I don't have the source, so I'm sorry, um, but it's his sixth masters and the average first time winner gets it in their sixth attempt. So that's why oh, I started wow. his name and I was like, Oh, Justin, this is your time. You got this. So that's a really cool. great stat. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. That's the only thing like I can say, I can, I continuously say it is we'll see because yeah. nobody knows what happens until it's it act, until the, the first tee shots out. Mm-hmm. So pretty crazy. So are the, I got a question. Are out of all the names that we've already said, let's have those be one category. If if you're if you're betting, I'm assuming you're betting somebody in that group and not the field. Um, what do you mean? So like, is there a if if you're if you're predicting the winner right now, would it be somebody we've already said or the field? So the rest, like everyone else that's in. I would say it's someone we've already said. Okay. Okay. I would. I would. If I could take these six guys that we've talked about, yeah. I would put money on them. Interesting. Compared to everyone else. So, so do, you, do you have any other names though that um, just to look out for? Matthew Wolf, you know he's got the hitch in his swing. Uh, he uh, he is a long hitter. If he gets in the zone and puts the ball where he wants it, he could really tear up the course too. Um, but he's super young. That's he's my age. So 
Um, maybe that's the same thing with Morikawa, even though Morikawa has been there, done that with a major, but you, you don't know what's really going on in these guys' head, especially with fans there. I didn't really think about this until a year or two ago. When someone makes a big shot and you're about to tee off, you can hear it. Like, you can hear the roar of the crowd happening. Like from a different part of the course. Yeah, from uh-huh. probably across the entire thing. And then wow. then you're in your head and you're like, oh, crap. Like, what happened? What do I have to do now? Is someone, like, catching up? What's, what's the situation? So, mm-hmm. so, I have Matthew Wolf to make the cut. Minus 174. I just – to make the cut with that those odds, like – yeah. You should see some of the top guys' odds are like minus like two thousand. So it's mm-hmm. I'm gonna take. I I think that's the best one that I could find. And and on that note, do you have, do you have any other? Um, I know we're like I said we're not doing an official gambling corner, but do you have any other uh, picks or bets that you're gonna make? Jordan Spieth to beat Justin Thomas in round one at plus one hundred eight. Um, Jordan Spieth is uh, you know we talked about it. He's on a roll. So I don't see why the momentum has to stop. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I haven't checked the weather for Augusta, but one thing that I saw is that um, the past two years have yielded the highest scoring averages. I guess in November, that kind of will inflate the mm-hmm. average, but um, there the course has been ready for about two weeks. It's fast and it's firm and it's ready to go. So it, we could see some low scores this week. Perfect. I mean, oh, high scores, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I would say low. I would say low for golf. Yeah. <laughs> Lower yeah. score wins, right? Yeah. Um, so, all right, if you uh, – let, let's make predictions. Who – I need you to pick one name, a prediction of who you think the winner should be. Oh, one name. Yeah, give me one name. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Jordan Spieth, man. I was high on him back when uh, 2015 when he was doing his little um, Tiger Woods uh, – representation and i think he won he cracked it open and it's he's he's gonna run with it so um i don't think dustin johnson's gonna do that well and i hope i eat my words i hope he plays great i just i don't know why i don't think he's well gonna... I, I yeah like i think for johnson it'd be the the back-to-back thing um i think it's a it's a it's apparently a really hard thing to do in this tournament especially so that'd be kind of his biggest kryptonite here well it's crazy i would have loved to watch Tiger Woods, you know, when he was in, in his prime, because I couldn't imagine one guy standing out week after week after week like he would have mm-hmm. with all these guys that we're talking about. Like, right. it's, I mean, he must have been so dominant. And I mean, if I could go back in time and watch Michael Jordan be in his prime and then right into Tiger Woods and then right into Peyton Manning and then LeBron and then mm-hmm. Tom Brady, it'd be like, yeah. That's It'd be a, awesome. Yeah, and that's obviously that's like that that's a little off the golf, but the I I always think about um, not being able to watch the prime Michael Jordan. Like that's one thing I really miss out on by being born like ten years later. <laughs> yeah, blame Howard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but wait, here, uh, here. So here's how we're doing my prediction. I have the names right now because I'm picking one of these guys. I'm moving my pen up and down. Just tell me when to stop. All right, you can stop. Okay, that's who I wanted to pick. Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, you're going to go with him? Yeah. Not a bad pick. Let's see what he can do. I'm, I'm actually really excited for him because, like I said, I think the chip on his shoulder will be – he's probably had this circled the second he got off the course in November. And he was like, I'm mm-hmm. coming, and I'm going to tear this place up. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. So, yeah, we'll Maybe. go with DeChambeau. He's got no, he doesn't have COVID. He can blame it on this time. Yeah, right, right. Um, but hey, no, I have I have one uh, stat for you. Um, so we we briefly talked about Tiger. So this is this was a stat I saw circling on TikTok actually. Um, just talking about like crazy stats. The greatest source of media. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you know. Well, it's it, they were talking about like the greatest, like what stats live in your head rent free, and somebody yeah. came up with this one. Um, but this is this is mind-boggling. So, from 1997 to 2008, Tiger Woods, his overall, his combined score in majors in that time span, he was minus 126, like minus 126. Okay, 
from what was the first year? 1997 to 2008. Holy. He was 126 under par in majors. There were 138 other players that played 40 or more rounds in majors. So, so just a pretty, like a pretty good sample size. Um, the next best combined score. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Phil Mickelson minus 35. No, it was 63 over par. No. Tiger way. Woods was 180 shots better. Than the oh second best God. person, who is Joe Ogilvy, if you remember that name. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, absolutely over, absurd. Over 180 shots better. So it's it's one of the craziest stats I've ever heard for any sport because that's how dominant he was in that time span. And just like we were just talking about, like it had been so amazing to watch him play. Um, but here, here's my question. Actually, Dylan was the one that kind of asked this. I want to hear what you think. What is there a comparison to another sport? Like, what stat would be a comparison probably, to another Like, sport? Roger Federer probably would have to be something like in tennis where it's a single person, not a team stat where they can kind of – or Serena Williams probably. Well, so um, is, is there any team sports stat that we could say uh, – th- that we could equate it to? I, I think it's really hard because, like, obviously the whole point of golf is just the score. Um, but, like, like, for example, in basketball, like a player scoring points, they're not going to – double a player scoring points right but like it's this just shows how how dominant tiger was compared to everyone else i mean i'm looking up the most consecutive free throws in the nba i'm sure they're right by each other like it's 180 shots better is absolutely yeah incredible the nba record for consecutive free throws is 97 like in a row williams that was in a row you said yeah, like attempts in a row. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's just insane. It's insane. So I just I wanted to mention that I think that's one of the greatest golf stats I've ever heard. The greatest stat of all time. Yeah. Um, anything else? Yeah. So with uh with with that in mind, we'll uh we have one more thing, but just just want to mention overall that um I'm I'm excited for the Masters. I mean, that was a really great preview and do you have do you have any other last second just thoughts on on this tournament before we get to our last segment? No, I'm excited for it to be back. Um, it's kind of a glimpse of normal life. You saw the Rangers had a bunch of fans there, mm-hmm. like a full stadium. I don't know how that many people got off of work on a Monday, um, but it's it's going to be cool to see Augusta with people packed. The tensions will be high. The golf will be incredible like it normally is. And I will be on the couch watching, <laughs> watching it all. So perfect. perfect. I'm excited. Well, and, and hopefully this, uh, I, I know when I always watch golf, it kind of, it, it gets me like more amped and wanting to like go out and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to bring us to, you know, we, we, this is where we would normally do gambling corner, but we're going to do something called amen corner for, for the masters, of course. Um, and it's essentially just our, our golfing corner, but I want to talk about, uh, just like our, our personal golf games. Cause I, like, I don't think we've ever played together, but um, I know we both play eight years trying to get out there together. Well, we have to do it this summer. We have to do it this summer. I, I live three States, four States away. <laughs> then maybe we won't do it this summer. <laughs> <laughs> we've been saying it for a while. I know. And then I know. And then you, and then you move, but who knows? Maybe we'll be back for for a week or something but um have you do you have a course that that you play like yeah so there's um i'm it's 10 minutes away it's a really nice public course here um and then for my birthday my dad and a bunch of his friends so you know 50 plus and me um we're going to play whistling straights which is where the Ryder cup's going to be this year it was supposed to be last year but it's this year so that's going to be incredible um, so I got to knock out some rust and get ready to whoop my, my father's butt. <laughs> That's awesome. That'll be really exciting. Do yeah. I'm have, pumped um, for it. Do, do you have any, do you have any personal goals for, for the summer? Um, I, I don't know how your game is, um, how it's been in the past, but like anything that you're kind of thinking about already. Yeah. So all winter, I got one of those Dustin Johnson barstool putting mats I don't I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen them I don't think so um, and I you know I live alone 
sorry, that's my cat. I guess I live alone with a cat. Um, but uh, I've been practicing my putting like every night or whenever I get bored, I just stand up and I knock a couple around. So I'm, and putting has always been my, a big, big struggle for me. Um, so if I can limit the three putts, um, that will really improve my game. So I'm really like, I got to focus more in on those and like really just not screw up a hole because of having mm -hmm. too many stupid putts. Yeah. Well, we, we would make a good team then because putting is actually the best part of my game. We should do um, we Yeah, should. we should. We should. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out. Cause I, like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the, uh, the front part of my game, I guess, if, if you'd call it that driving and it's mainly better to be good at putting, you can figure out the swing, right? It's much better to have the touch and yeah. be able to read the green compared to hitting your mm -hmm. driver 350 yards. Right. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, I actually was able to take a lesson for the first time last summer. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying, I I've been to the, the range once or twice so far, um, haven't gotten to play yet, but I, I was just hoping if I'm at the same spot I ended last season, um, then I'll be in a good position. And so I actually broke a hundred for the first time last there summer um, and was actually oh. able to do it pretty consistently. Oh, I think you texted me. Yeah. You I think I texted you right after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my, basically I, I guess my main goal will just, just keep getting better, but I'd love to be, um, I'd love to break 90 once at least, and then just be averaging low nineties. Um, I think that'd so, be a good goal for me. Something that really helped me this past year, whenever I'd play out at Chatham Hills with my dad or just by myself, um, the pro told me, uh, he's like, you're not a professional golfer. Like you are going to have bad shots. You're going to chunk the ball. You're going to hit the ball thin. It'll go right. It'll go left. You just need to, clear your head and get ready for the next shot or it's just going to keep going downhill and that helped me tremendously like incredible I don't know why I'm sure people have told me before but that it just stuck with me mm -hmm. so I was able to get up and down and kind of go all over the course but I would my score would be fine like and then I also started playing I, I would play for bogeys and obviously, you know, I'd make that's pretty I'd make much where I'm at. Yeah. Like not to be like, like I'd par holes and everything, but I, I'd, I'd be happy with it instead of the other way around where I'm playing for pars and I get a par and I'm like, Oh crap. Like I needed to really birdie there. Mm -hmm. So just my mental game, I guess has been a lot different uh -huh. recently. And that has shown a consistent score from in like the low eighties, which has been it's been great and like i'm hoping this summer i'll is that about where you are yeah right. yeah and so i'll hopefully break that shoot in the 70s this year and then um just continue to go up and up from there so that'd be awesome well yeah. i, I, I should really... across sooner than i did man <laughs> you found your sport man That's hey, awesome. i just wanted to be as good as seth mandel <laughs> <laughs> in something right yeah. right in we, something. The, i think a goal in life is to be as good at something as seth mandel is at lacrosse <laughs> i hope i hope he hears this we'll send it to him yeah um, but no I, I i really hope we can play together sometime soon if whenever whenever you're able to come back down here we'll try to make it happen um, we will i'll quit my job and we'll just play golf I was like, one, no one time you gotta come down here we we got have you played the new course uh in bloomington it's my favorite course i've it's it's incredible we gotta I play actually it. Have two free passes so it we got have to play up and i was gonna play and we could, <laughs> next time i'm in indy i'll i'll we'll come to bloomington and me you i don't know who else is around bloomington sport or stat night people will <laughs> that guy sunday night stat guy yes sorry yeah. i'm thinking too we bad. can have a sunday night stat guy outing <laughs> mm. If your Bubby still does one of those outings, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be perfect. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Well, that was, in, in honor of the Masters, that was just uh, that was some amen corner, some golfing corner. Um, thought that would be a, a funny, nice little tie-in. But um, I'm, I'm ready for the Masters. This has actually got me really excited. Uh, I'm excited to – I'm always excited to watch golf. I really love the major tournaments. Um, it's just – it's the best time to watch golf. Oh, yeah. And, and this is 
you know spring is right around the corner. The weather is kind of getting nice. And then this happens and then boom, it's spring. You know it, you hear the birds, you see the flowers. It's great. It's, it is, and it's, it's time. It's, it's gym dance season. <laughs> so uh, can't wait to hear hello friends again, um, a tradition unlike any other. Uh, but until then, Noah, thanks for coming on again. Third time, Thir- third uh, time as a guest. That's- I love it. This is my favorite thing, man. Well, you're, you're, you're officially a golf regular. Thank you. Okay, then I'm, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> you're, you're the golf guy. <laughs> Perfect. You be the stack guy. Awesome. All right, Noah, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck uh, and uh, have fun watching. Thanks, Josh. I'm sure I'll talk to you this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. See ya. Bye. Big thanks to Zach and Noah for coming on the podcast. If you're a golf fan, definitely recommend watching the Masters. If not, that's okay too because baseball is well underway and basketball is now back in the uh, spotlight. I should say NBA basketball is now back in the spotlight with March Madness ending. So plenty of sports to go around. And remember that as Sunday Night Stat Guy, we will not just give you the stats you want, but the stats that you need. Thanks, everyone.